WNYC Studios is brought to you by Zbiotics. Seize the day after a night of drinks with Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink. Zbiotics was invented by PhD scientists to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is most responsible for making you feel crummy the next day. Drink Zbiotics before your first drink, drink responsibly, and you'll wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com/wnyc and get 15% off your first order when you use WNYC at checkout. That's zbiotics.com/wnyc and use the code WNYC at checkout for 15% off. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, it's Latte from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Brian Lehrer on WNYC. Now our climate story of the week, which we do every Tuesday on the show. Today, information and advice for New York City residents about the city's landmark emissions reduction law, which took effect earlier this month. Local Law 97 requires owners of buildings larger than 25,000 square feet to track and report their greenhouse gas emissions. Despite some pushback from critics of the law and climate activists alike, the city has allowed a two-year grace period for certain buildings to implement changes that would lower their emissions. If building owners fail to reduce them to a certain level, however, they will be subject to fines. Buildings account for approximately two-thirds of greenhouse gas emissions in New York City. We've talked about this before, but many people don't realize it. You think about cars and maybe power plants or something. Buildings account for approximately two-thirds of greenhouse gas emissions in New York City, uh, say the official estimates. So joining us now to talk about the implementation process so far and take your questions is Rohit Agarwala, Chief Climate Officer and Commissioner of New York City's Department of Environmental Protection. And joining us to answer some of your technical and financial questions are Simon Mugo, Program Manager of NYC Accelerator, and Andrew Chintz, Financing Specialist at the group NYC Accelerator, which provides free guidance to meet energy efficiency upgrades for buildings. So Simon and Andrew, welcome to WNYC, and Commissioner, welcome back. Thank you, Brian. It's great to be here. Thanks for having us back. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. And listeners, we will open up the phones right away for you on this. Landlords, co-op and condo owners, renters too, this is for you. Who has questions about how to comply and who can help us report this story with your experience of recently retrofitting your building perhaps uh, or hitting obstacles to more energy efficiency in your building, 212-433-WNYC, 212-433-9692 call or text. And Commissioner, remind everyone again of Local Law 97 and the scope of what is required at this point. Sure. Um, And thanks again for for having us on this topic. Um, You know, Local Law 97 was passed in 2019. And as you point out, it targets uh, our largest source of emissions, which is buildings. Um, It creates a set of limits that buildings over 25,000 square feet have to meet 
uh, starting already. So this law is in effect now as of January 1st, 2024. Um, some buildings, uh, about 1,600 buildings, have work to do. We think they may be in violation or um, or hopefully they did work in 2023 uh, and they're better than their 2022 data suggests. A lot more buildings, something like 15,000 New York City buildings have to do work to get their emissions down to their 2030 targets. Um, And then there are further declines in 2035, 2040 en route to carbon neutrality uh, in 2050. Um, We spent the last two years getting the the rules in place so that building owners know what their targets are, how this is going to be managed, what the enforcement process is going to be. And as you pointed out, buildings that are in violation in 2024 will have the option to produce a decarbonization plan. And while I know some people have characterized it as a grace period, it is a grace period where we are willing to withhold fines for 2024 and 2025. But in exchange, the buildings not only have to come into compliance with their 2024 targets, but demonstrate how they are going to come into compliance with their much more ambitious 2030 targets. And if they don't continue that work on in 26, 27, 28, 29, en route to their 2030 targets, we can still go back and find them for their violations in 24 and 25. Mm -hmm. So it's not just letting buildings off the hook. It's Mm -hmm. really getting them on the path to this much more aggressive reduction that is what we need. And at the Adams administration, we have shifted gears now from focusing on how we enforce to actually ensuring that buildings have the financing and the technical advice that they need. So we are advocating at the state level so that the $5 billion that the Public Service Commission will put into energy efficiency upgrades between 2026 and 2030, that a large chunk of that goes to help buildings that are uh, going to have to comply with Local Law 97. We're hoping the city council will act to enable J51, a tax credit that will help affordable housing, including low and moderate uh, value condos and co-ops, of which 3,000 across the city. And we're not talking about you know, luxury condos on the Upper East Side. We're talking about co-ops and condos on the Grand Concourse. We're in Flushing. They're going to have to do work. They would be eligible for a property tax credit if the city Mm -hmm. council acts on this. We're really focused on helping buildings get the work done because that's really what saves the planet is the work, not the fines. And that's what the NYC Accelerator is for. The Accelerator is a city-funded service um, that Andrew and Simon and their colleagues are available to help buildings figure out what they have to do, get advice on how to find funding and financing. And we'll get to Simon and Andrew from the Accelerator and some of that advice in just a minute. Uh, But, Commissioner, just to be super clear for listeners who may be hearing this and wondering if their buildings are covered by this law, I said in the intro, buildings of at least 25,000 square feet. But people don't think in those terms. So, like, roughly... How many uh, apartments would have to be in a building for it to probably hit this threshold? Well, you think a uh, a one bedroom apartment might be about a thousand square feet, so that's you know probably a twenty five to thirty unit building would uh, would be covered. But the good news is actually the vast majority of buildings are already in compliance for twenty twenty four, and we were very pleased that a bunch of buildings managed to reduce their uh, their carbon emissions between when the law was passed in 2019 and last year when we got some data from 2022. So only about 11% of covered buildings are out of compliance for 2024. 
That's a pretty good start. Uh, so, Simon, co-op members and building owners of other kinds are being asked to track and report their building's emissions. Tell everybody what that looks like in practice. What kind of technology is used to measure those emissions, and how does it get submitted to the city? Yeah, thank, thanks, Brian. Um, I think, you know, just uh, going back to a, a point that you brought up uh, a few minutes ago, just want to clarify that in terms of Local Law 97, uh, you know, the, the easiest way to determine whether or not your building is subject to the law, um, the Department of Buildings actually published a covered buildings list. Um, so this list has um, all the different addresses and uh, building block and lot numbers indicating which buildings are covered under the law. But um, I think a good practice is is sort of what um, Commissioner Ritt mentioned, uh, which is, you know, just getting a sense of what square footage your building has and then uh, determining whether or not um, you would qualify based on that square footage. And, and also the accelerator is a service that uh, is, is here to help. So if you're not sure, uh, you can give us a call and we can uh, verify or take a look at your address uh, and confirm whether or not your, uh, your building is covered under the law. Um, and just back to your question, Brian, in terms of how the emissions are, are calculated, uh, it's really just based on the amount of energy your building uses. Um, so on an annual basis, a number of buildings are already benchmarking their, um, their energy usage as, as a result of uh, Local Law 84. And so, um, you know, a number of buildings, uh, typically on an annual, uh, annual basis, by May 1st of every year, you would report 12 months of your uh, electricity and other fuel usage. So if your building runs on natural gas, uh, you would then indicate or, um, you know, indicate to the city how much how much natural gas in addition to electricity and other fuel sources that your building used over the past 12 months. So it's it, the process has really improved since the law uh, was passed. And uh, it's very automated in some cases where through Energy Star's portfolio manager platform, uh, you can have the utility. So both Con Edison and or uh, National Grid, you can have them upload your electricity, natural gas usage directly onto the platform. Um, and so on an annual basis, you know, the requirement would be just to verify that 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 uh, the energy usage that was reported actually includes all your electric meters because some buildings have multiple meters. Um, and in the case of a building that uses oil, you would have to you know manually upload your uh, your energy usage. But typically, that's sort of the the basis or this um, the basis to determine what your um, baseline is in terms of your energy use. Um, and the, the rule provides um, emission factors. So each fuel has a certain uh, amount of carbon emissions assigned to it. Um, and so, as you can imagine, oil is, uh, has more carbon emissions than natural gas, uh, and electricity has a, a different factor as well. And so the way to determine your emissions is uh, by factoring in the emissions factor um, and calculating that based on the amount of energy you've uh, you've huh. used throughout the year. Okay. Now, I think Laura in the Bronx has a question on one of the big ticket items that owners uh, of buildings may be looking at. Laura, you're on WNYC. Hello. Hi. Um, I have three questions, and I'm trying to be very specific. I live in a co-op in the Bronx. 
I have what I think is a regressive co-op board. I have brought up rooftop, the idea of rooftop solar several years ago. They poo-pooed it. They said, oh, well, our roofs aren't big enough. We couldn't, you know, blah, blah, all, all kinds of excuses. I don't think they've ever actually provided any proof that we couldn't do rooftop solar. So that's one issue. Is how, do we, how do we budge a co-op board that doesn't want to get up? Um, the second question is, if I want to get rid of my gas stove and, and invest in one of these electric cooktop cooking devices, which I would be delighted to do, does that require rewiring the whole building, or can I do that as an individual apartment in a co-op? That's two, two, two great questions. Uh, Andrew, you want to take them? Um, I can um, actually jump in on yeah. on the solar um, solar question. So that you bring up a really good point, and that's actually a service that we provide as the accelerator. Um, so we do provide a free solar analysis to uh, evaluate whether or not solar is a good fit for your building. So we look at shading, we look at the size of your roof, and we also look at your utility bills to determine or to give you a sense of what the savings could be based on uh, the physical limitations of your roof. Um, once we complete that analysis, we would then, you know, give you a summary of the results, and we can present to your co-op board uh, just to explain what this actually means and uh, provide assistance as needed in terms of uh, identifying what the cost estimates could be, factoring in uh, the various incentives. Uh, the New York State Energy Research and Development Authority has uh, a great New York Sun program that offers uh, incentives for solar. Um, and actually, at this point in time, uh, based on the, the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, there's been uh, an increase in the amount of uh, tax breaks that you can get as a result of installing solar. So they're really at the highest point that they've been uh, in the past few years. Uh, and that's something that we can factor in to help you analyze and determine whether or not um, that's a project you would like to pursue. Uh, and if so, we can also co help connect you to uh, contractors that, that can do the work. And on the uh, electric cooktops and whether the, the whole building needs to be rewired? Yeah, I think that's that's really on a case-by-case -case basis. It depends on um, the wiring, the existing wiring in your building. I think there are incentives to cover or reduce the cost of purchasing the electric uh, induction stoves. Um, but in terms of uh, whether or not you would have to rewire the building, that's really on a case-by-case -case basis that um, it, it's hard to say on, on a blanket term whether or not you would, you would have to do that. This is WNYC, FM, HD, and AM New York, WNJT-FM, 88.1 Trenton, WNJP, 88.5 Sussex, WNJY, 89.3 Netcong, and WNJO, 90.3 Toms River. We are New York and New Jersey Public Radio and live streaming at WNYC.org. We are in our Climate Story of the Week, which we do every Tuesday on the show. Today we're talking about New York City's Local Law 97, which took effect uh, on New Year's Day, January 1st of this year, and we're talking about some of the requirements or an aspect, some aspects of it took effect um, this year, and we're talking about how buildings can meet the requirements if the buildings are larger than 25,000 square feet to track and report their greenhouse gas emissions as requirements for lowering greenhouse gas emissions or at least coming up 
with workable plans to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, those requirements um, come into effect with the um, appointee of Mayor Adams, who's leading this charge, Rohit Agarwal, the chief climate officer and commissioner of the Environmental Protection Department of the city. And answering some of your technical and financial questions are Simon Mugo, program manager of NYC Accelerator, and Andrew Chintz, financing specialist at NYC Accelerator. They provide free guidance to meet energy efficiency upgrades for buildings. Um, here's a question from a listener that's come in. Andrew, maybe this is for you. Uh, it says, Local Law 97 is grossly unfair to modest income nonprofit co-ops like mine in Queens. We are being singled out for huge unexpected costs that may bankrupt us. So as the finance person in the room, what would you say to the people in that co-op? Uh, yeah, thanks, Brian. Um, so, yeah, one of the, as as was mentioned, the New York City Accelerator provides guidance on all types of uh, services and um, resources to help you get this work done in your building. And as the financing specialist, um, I help um, provide uh, guidance, um, identify financing, help navigate the financing. And so um, the buildings have um, access to a, a number of financing programs. When Local Law 97 was passed under the Climate, Climate Mobilization Act in 2019, um, it was coupled with Local Law 96, and that authorized something called PACE financing, stands for Property Assessed Clean Energy, um, which is um, kind of a, a clever way of, of financing these energy efficiency improvements on a long-term basis, um, and it's paid back on the tax bill. And so PACE financing has been authorized uh, in over 35 states, and we've adopted it now in New York City. And so this is a, a great way to finance this work on a long-term basis. Uh, by being long-term, it helps make the payment smaller because it's paid over uh, a long-term uh, that's reflective of the, uh, the useful life of what you're financing. So um, that's a great way to make it more affordable. And even as a nonprofit, even though nonprofits don't typically pay property taxes, um, you still have uh, an account with the Department of Finance for your property tax bill. It's a zero balance because you don't pay taxes. You can still access PACE financing um, as a nonprofit. And so that's one, one way to finance um, the work. If PACE, uh, is not a fit for your building. It doesn't work for every type of building. We also have a number of non-PACE financing options. Um, we have uh, several specialty finance companies or green banks that will finance this work. Um, there's equipment lenders. There's other types of, uh, uh, of products that are uh, energy service uh, contracts, which um, you can kind of uh, finance all of the work with a single provider that does the work as well as funding it. So, um, you know, again, every building is different and we encourage you to come to the accelerator. Um, but um, we can and we can, you know, sort of focus in on, on your particular needs. There's uh, an online access for the accelerator because a lot of people may be wondering about that now. Andrew, you can finish up on that point. 
um, online, you mean how to access the accelerator? Yeah. Yeah, certainly. There's, um, we can make that available. There's, um, we have, um, uh, um, you know, an outreach uh, desk that um, uh, 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 takes in calls or um, emails and they will sort of dispatch to the, um, the various resources at Accelerator that, um, that will be, um, you know, be able to answer your questions. Um, we can, yeah, we can make I, that available. I, yeah, I think just really accelerator.nyc is where you go. Um, and you can get all of that hooked up. Bri Brian, if I could, if I could chime in, uh, you know, in response, a couple of points I'd make to, uh, to the, to the person who, first of all, nobody's being singled out. Um, these are standards that are uh, across all New York City buildings. Some buildings have a much higher carbon footprint than others because of the way they're designed or the way their occupants are using energy, etc. Um, a building like the one that uh, that this person lives in is exactly why we have this approach towards a good faith effort. Um, one of the things we have found over and over again is, frankly, people are getting very bad advice. You know, I hear oh, you know, the, my, this, this law is going to bankrupt my building. Who told you that it's going to cost so much? And, and oh, my boiler guy said something, right? And the reality is what the decarbonization plans that are going to be required of buildings that are in violation but don't want to pay the fines, that requires going out and getting professional help that can actually analyze what the range of alternatives are. There are all sorts of startups, many of them based in New York City, that have started up providing innovative solutions, often including financing for buildings based on what kind of radiators they have, what kind of boilers they have. I mean, some of these are, are really, really nicely tailored. And building owners and managers and, and boards just need to put the effort into getting smart advice, and then they'll uh, do fine. Let me get one more caller in here. Sam in Manhattan. You're on WNYC. Hi, Sam. Hey there. Uh, so I'm talking from the perspective of an owner and operator of commercial office buildings, and I've lived and breathed the analyses, and I fully understand the methods of how the carbon footprint is calculated based on the law. And I think there are a couple of things that, you know, I think, Brian, you mentioned something about workable plans, and there's obviously a, 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 a meaningful mission here with the local law. But the devil's in the details. And I think one of the issues that's out there is, you know, I, for example, have a building where we spent more than eight years trying to get additional capacity to that building uh, from Con Ed for electricity. And much of the goal of the programs, the way they're structured, require that buildings take things like steam-powered chiller plants or gas-fired systems and convert them to electric. And I think one of the things that nobody in the political sphere is talking about is the capacity in the streets of New York, which are congested with telecom and power and all kinds of and subway, other types of infrastructure, that the ability to bring power to the building to allow for these conversions simply isn't being thought about. Uh, so I think that I, of the two questions I have, I wonder what the administration is thinking about in terms of addressing that issue, because that directly plays into the cost, including to the consumer, because when Con Ed upgrades the street, guess who gets to pay for that in their transmission and distribution Co charges? Commissioner, the, sounds the second like question I have just, Go ahead, real quick. Go ahead. Yeah, real quick, the, the second thought that I have is, you know, how does the administration think about the impacts of COVID, which have taken the inventory of office buildings? There are many, uh, many significant numbers underwater right now. 
and the timing of the local law requirements and fines could not be worse. So I wonder how they think about that. Commissioner. Well, yeah, um, I, I, I think, you know, one of the reasons that uh, we embraced this good faith effort approach is recognizing that the COVID, uh, that the pandemic took something on the order of two years out of the ability of buildings to, to deal in a, a normal circumstance. So boards and owners were, were for a year or two uh, distracted and, and legitimately so. So that's, that's part of our thinking in this. Um, however, you know, the reality is, the fact that we suffered a pandemic did not mean that climate change is going to slow down and wait. Uh, and so we've got to get ahead of this. And all you have to do is look back on the flooding we had on September 29th and, you know, ask yourself, well, how much did that cost New York City? How much did that have an impact on the same people who uh, want to complain about local law 97 compliance costs? They were also complaining about having water in their basements and having the subway shut down uh, because of flooding. It's all connected. And so we can't slow down. Um, to uh, to when it becomes convenient, because climate change is never going to be convenient to address. Now, uh, to the specific point, number one, I'd say it's actually very easy to mistakenly assume that the only way to comply with Local Law 97 is immediate and full electrification. That is not at all the, tr the case for most buildings. And again, this idea of a good faith effort and a decarbonization plan is exactly what we want buildings to take a hard look, not at going from zero to 60 all at once, right? They don't have to become carbon neutral all at once, but to take steps. And the rules do acknowledge that where the primary blocker to a building moving towards electrification or moving rather towards compliance with Local Law 97 is that they have sought the load letter from Con Edison and they have been unable to obtain it, that will be a reason for a building to have their target delayed because we know the building's doing everything they can. And if Con Ed is the delay, that is not uh, the building's fault. And to this overall point, there is no question that the costs of uh, upgrading our electric infrastructure and switching to renewable power, our costs are all going to have to pay. But that's not specific to any one building. Um, and that's a society-wide issue. And and again, it's inescapable because we could just keep killing the planet um, and eventually the city is going to be over water or underwater. And we are going to leave it there for today as we are out of time. That's our climate story of the week. We've been talking about Local Law 97 taking fuller effect in New York City as of the beginning of this year. My guests have been Rohit Agarwal, Chief Climate Officer and Commissioner of the Department of Environmental Protection for the city, and NYC Accelerators Program Manager and Financing Specialist, Simon Mugo and Andrew Chintz, respectively. Uh, and again, the web address, if you're looking for how-to advice and other information on making your building more energy efficient, you can go to accelerator.nyc. Thank you all very much for coming on. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. Thanks for having us.